All right, we are here in the post show. Post show. All right, so you want to talk? Oh, I have some music to play. Let's play some music here. Probably should turn on that. Probably, yeah. Sounds like Pink Floyd. It is Pink Floyd. <laughs> is there anybody in here? I want to one name that tune. I can name that song in three notes. Okay, so the particle that wasn't there. Oh, the 750 gig electron volt bump. Yes. Uh, as I expected, it went away. So uh, it was funny because a couple weeks ago, like right after you sent me that Game of Thrones uh, meant reference in the uh-huh. thread. Oh, we no. talked about it earlier than that. We talked about it when it came out. I know, I know, yeah. but I know, but a couple when you sent me that Game of Thrones yeah. thing, it hit my uh, geek stuff Slack channel at work, right? And I'm like, so my buddy Greg says, you know, it's it, there's a seventy percent chance that this thing is gonna disappear, and uh, like people were like kind of like poo pooing me a little bit, and like I sent you know I sent that thing I'm like you know. Was it three sigma? And it was it was less. It was it was two point two point nine. One of them was close. Like two one one of things. The interesting thing was that two experiments showed it, but it was three on one, like mm-hmm. nearly three on one, and like one point nine right, on right, another. Right. So, but yeah. when you know, I'm like, and look elsewhere was even worse. But you know, yeah. the thing was, I was trying to convey these people, like you know, I got a friend who's this particle physics geek right and he conveyed to me that three sigma is not really good i mean it's not it's not as good as it sounds to a layman Mm -hmm. and uh, you know so i I sent that so today when i saw the article i put it back in the channel like boom (laughs) no mystery particle sorry which is it's it's the so-called nightmare scenario for the LHC. Uh, so, I mean, when you say nightmare scenario, people think, oh, the, the, it creates a black hole and destroys the world. But as far as physics are concerned, the actual nightmare scenario is they find the Higgs and nothing else. Uh, okay. uh, and they build this you know, $18 billion particle accelerator to, to, to explore these new theories of, uh, you know, of, first of all, to find the Higgs. That was number one. But then also to, you know, probe other energies, see what else is there, see if you can find resonances on some other scale. And nothing. Are I they mean, done we, are they done with like the next se- the series of runs? Oh no, no. We're no, I okay. mean it, it, I mean they shut down in the wintertime, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I guess they're not gonna shut down until fall. But in, in terms of the total amount of data that the LHC is going to is is expected to get, we've got maybe two percent now. Like okay. over the lifetime of the LHC, so there's still plenty of of stuff to be explored. But how much more energy are they gonna put into the thing? Is well, it... I mean, it can get to like 13 TeV. And what's it at now? Uh, that, I mean, right now that, that oh. it, it can. But it, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, but the it, first run when they f- figured the Higgs out, it wasn't running at the energies running right now. No, it was running about half the energy. But right. but, but uh, understand that. And this is the maximum energy they're capable of producing is okay. 13 TeV, uh, 13 tera electron volts. But I mean, like the Higgs is a 250 giga electron volts. So they're, it's, it's well under that. So they're, they're exploring a range well, sure. of, of, of But energies. I mean, like, so when they booted up this year, they're running at a certain energy range. 
are they hitting the thirteen, or are they still? Under yeah, they them? can hit. The, they can hit the thirteen, okay. but but there's just. I mean, there's just not a lot of data in all these sectors yet, and mm-hmm. right now it doesn't look like there's much. Int- I mean, the the thing about the seven fifty was okay. That was an interesting sector to explore. It turns out that when they really did do an examination, there was actually a deficit of events there <laughs> compared to. Right. Background. Well, you said that you know it's uh, they weren't really looking in that range. Yeah. Last year. So this year they're like, hey, let's let's look yeah. in this range a lot more closely because this is curious. Yeah, I mean, and it, it flattened out the bump. If you looked at the total amount of events, like the total amount of captured events based on that that, that like three point the three sigma, that was probably over. That was probably like they captured eighty nine or ninety events, something like that, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't like. Got it all the time. Just you know, mm-hmm. we, we found this energy, we we're hitting it, and we get this this thing all the time. It was it was a resonance that happened uh, that could be from all types of other stuff, uh, and that that was why it's like that was why in particle physics you you have to be much more careful about uh, making from an experimental perspective sure. about sure. about uh, uh, predicting things. But um, I mean, my main thing was to to me. A layman, relative layman uh-huh. in the field is three sigma. Sounds like it's, it sounds like we just need to do more work to get it to five. Well, I mean, it, the thing about three sigma from a general perspective is that means there's a one in ninety three chance that you're wrong. Right? Oh, that you're wrong. Okay. That you're wrong. One in ninety three chance that you're wrong. Not a one in ninety three chance that you're right. One in ninety three chance that you're wrong. So that seems like really good chance. Yeah. But from a particle physics perspective, that's not that good. Well, that's right. I mean, to, like I said, to a layman, to me, when I first saw this, it seems like, oh, let's run it for a couple more months, and it's just going to give us yeah. the confidence. But, you know, when you described it, it sounds like, you know, it's not just building more confidence. It is, this could, because of the statistical fluctuations, and I, I you know, I never took a statistics class. I... I appreciate statistics is that they can be very unintuitive. You know, I know that, right? But well, I mean, I will say that there, there's a bit of a difference between the way. I mean, from a particle physics perspective, the way you would use physics to analyze stuff than you would for other kind of events. Because the energies are, are are hard to examine, and there's a lot of difficulty in there, and it's, it, there's there's a lot of factors going on here. But the amount of things that are happening in in, in one of these collisions is huge. Like I mean, they're they're colliding these things, and then they're looking at at the post collision things that happen afterwards, and so there could be a whole bunch of other stuff happening, uh, and. And we're examining, like I said, the big ranges of energies where these things are happening. So, especially when you see little bumps in things, that doesn't mean that they really examine that closely. That means that they see a slight excess in some mm-hmm. area. So, the the way that sigma works versus the way that you would you'd use sigma in other things is a little bit different. A particle physicist is... And like I say, like I, I think you, you expressed it right when you said I'm I'm a a particle physicist geek as opposed to like a, a 
a doctor of particle <laughs> right, physics right. that. But but a part, someone who knows this stuff is going to look at these at this data a lot more. Well, I mean, some didn't. So some people who do who are doctors in it didn't look at it that clearly. So, but for me, I'm skeptical. Uh, so I looked at it a lot more skeptically than mm-hmm. than other people would. And yeah, just so I mean, even letting the news out that there is something interesting at seven fifty, right? I mean, I guess you know, and there definitely was something interesting, right? But I mean, well, what? Like, wouldn't it be fascinating if some theory arose out of people trying to reconcile that? Well, I would say this though: the other, the other part of it was that no one was looking for this. Which could which could mean wow we found new physics, but also it was at a low enough energy that someone probably should have predicted something like this. Yeah, that's a good point. So, but I mean, I'm take, I'm, I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little yeah. bit. I don't have an agenda here at all. No, but ahead. it's okay. So, a lot of people rush to publish speculation on what this bump could be, right. even though there's a seven percent chance that it doesn't exist. It would be fascinating if some of the uh, information that was produced from those papers could actually be rolled back into research and like see well here's the thing though they were a lot of these papers are trying to reconcile it with not new physics but physics that people had already predicted is there but haven't found Mm -hmm. supersymmetry uh, other things like that we have not found any evidence of supersymmetry. We've not found any evidence for all, a lot of these arguments that uh, things like string theory theorists are using, like naturalness arguments. We we don't. Nature doesn't work like we want it to. That's a it's 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 a lesson right. that is hard to learn even for uh, even for the people who really study this stuff because it's. It feels like when you get to learn the math, you find it pretty. I think that that's a natural thing. Mm -hmm. You find even this esoteric math that other people would look and say, oh, that's a jumble of symbols. When you finally understand it, you do find it pretty. And so you then say, well, then the rest of nature should be just as pretty. And so you work on that. But the problem is that sense of aesthetics comes from understanding it doesn't come from a natural it, it, do, it doesn't come from like there is no such thing as uh, as beauty without people to interpret it just like there's no such thing as color without people to interpret okay. it, right there's, there's such thing as uh the electromagnetic energy that reflects off of off of this versus that sure but color is in your brain Color is just the way your brain interprets the world. Things don't actually have colors. They just reflect different frequencies of electromagnetic radiation. Mm-hmm. Similarly, things don't have beauty. There's no, like, there's a beauty is in, as they say, the eye of the beholder. So it, it's in the person who understands the concepts enough to find them pretty. And there's there's a tendency for people to to overdo it and the skeptic that I am, I'm not one of those people. For in general, there's definitely situations where I fail. Just like there, I mean, 
I, I'm not right about everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad to have the, the fact that there are people that uh, that are there to correct me, even though when you're correct, it doesn't feel great. But if you sleep on it, you feel a lot better right. being corrected than being in the wrong. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know enough about the math yeah. to give you a plausible example. But, like, you know, just, you know, just being kind of crazy stupid here is like, so someone speculates something at 750 gigaelectron volts that is loop quantum gravity, right? And then, you know, at some resonance of that later on, we find, you know, something plausible against it, you know, that kind of thing. I'm wondering if there's any real good science that came out of people trying to place this bump, you know, that kind of thing. Well, look at this way. One of the most important null results in physics resulted in relativity, which was Mm -hmm. the Nicholson-Morley experiment where they tried to find Aether. They tried to find this okay. the this, this thing that, that they thought electromagnetic waves traveled through, and they couldn't find it uh, through an interferometer experiment. Uh, and that null result was striking because everyone thought they this this should work, and it didn't work, and it required a, a rethinking. And I okay. think that's where we're at. I think this stuff is, is a little epicyclish and it, requ- it requires rethinking. And I look forward to the new rethinking. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, I, I've said this before. I, I don't have any expectation. I mean, I love this stuff. I love it. I can't get enough of it. But I don't have any expectation that this stuff will still be the, the state of the art in a thousand years. In a thousand years, they will look back on what we're doing and say, God, they were so silly. <laughs> what they thought. Uh, so, so I understand that we're not like we don't get it. I mean, right. even even if we did get it, we only get four percent of what's out there. So clearly, we don't get it. Right. So there's, but I, but I love understanding. And like I said, I mean, I I, I think you can. I think it's expressed when I try to teach the stuff to you. I do find this math stuff pretty. Mm-hmm. I do find the stuff that, that I'm trying to talk about really, in, in its own way, very beautiful. And that's why I want to share it. It's not because I... And because I, I think that it's pretty enough that... if that, And I'm, I, I very much could be wrong here again. I feel like if everybody got the right perspective on it, they could appreciate it too. They would see the pr- the prettiness and the beauty that I that I see, or at least some some aspect of it. Right. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm, I very much could be wrong there, but I I feel like there is, yeah, the, there is so much, so much of, of my wonder is kind of satiated by mm-hmm. understanding this. So much of of the wonder of of. of existing absolutely is is understanding these basic things that have properties that extend out to everything that we deal with it's uh speaking of you know satiation right Uh and and knowing the world oh where did i hear this but you know there's been a couple times recently where my my outlook yeah my outlook on existence and whatnot. It's kind of been bolstered by people saying the same thing. Like, I think Noah Grass Tyson has said it, right? But it's like, you know, it's 
that we can understand these things, and it's about the you know that we're able to figure out our own things, and we don't need a div- divinity mm-hmm. to feel at home, to feel comforted, and you know, I've heard that a couple times recently, like more and more in, you know, it's still not pop media, it's you know, it's, it's yeah, podcast science media, but you know, it's like it. Maybe the pro- part of the problem is I haven't. Uh, I'm not listening to enough dissenters, you know, but I'm like, I'm listening to the people, like-minded people, you know, the whole problem with customized news feeds, right? right, right. But it's like, you know, it's like, yes, that, that's, that's my point of view, right? You know, you know, I don't, I, I can be like, again, back to that whole morale, I can be a moral person because I know it's good mm-hmm. for the community and good for a species, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and you can show it to be the case of this, this good for the species. It's not yeah. just that you believe it; it's that yeah. the evidence backs it up. The here's it reminds me of a conversation I, I I've been having on some some debates. There, there's a a guy I debate with on one of the debate channels. I mean, there's several people in debate. Some some are dumb. This guy is really smart. This guy's a philosophy guy. He's a theist, but he's smart. He knows what he's talking about. We disagree fundamentally on certain things. Uh, he comes from Aristotelian background. He what Aristotelian, and okay. uh, and uh, he he's, he has a um, Augustine view. If, if you're familiar, those who are familiar with Saint Augustine and, and his okay. perspective. Uh, so uh, kind of cla- classical. These are all, these are all really new words to me. Okay, but Aristotelian Aristotle. <laughs> it, uh, oh, okay. I thought it was aristocratic. Okay. I just was thought it was interesting how it had this reptilian thing. <laughs> and no one, you know, reveres reptiles, right? So it's always I a do. bad thing. Well, I mean, you know I what I'm revere saying? in the sense that... Uh, Have you ever used the word reptilian as a positive attribute? Yes. Okay. We are reptilian. We have base features that are very similar to reptiles. Our the the core of our brains is, is almost. I understand exactly this, like but that. I'm just saying, you know, it's ninety nine point nine. Yeah, yeah. Not, not everybody is at my same perspective, but you you asked the question. Sure, I did. I did. <laughs> uh, so, but but anyway, so it is. It, it's fun to talk with this guy, and we disagree. And sometimes, you know, like one time, I I I kind of got. I started to. Uh, it's hard to to uh, go the Socratic Socratic method on this guy, mm-hmm. and he was offended. and uh, And then I looked at what I was doing. And I was like, "He was right," and I, I apologized to him. I was like, "You're right. I I know you. I know you're smarter than that. I shouldn't do that to you." And he was like, "That's okay. I totally understand." So, I think we're cool with each other. We just, we disagree, but uh, it, it's fun to have a conversation with somebody who's smart who disagrees with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still have this disagreement, but it. One of the things that we disagree about is is math. I've talked about before. Is math discovered or invented? Right, right. And more and more, I believe it's invented. My conception right now is this. Math is a language. Math is a language we invented. Now, math has some unique properties. One of the unique properties is that you can't Sentences are nonsense unless they. Sentences that are made in math are nonsense unless they fit 
with uh, unless they equalize, right? Unless only certain structured sentences can make sense. You can't just it's not like English or something else where, where you can you can make up any, any kind of sentences. You can essentially make it make sense. What makes math different from other languages is that although some symbols change, the meaning of things doesn't change. And it hasn't changed for thousands of years. Whereas in English, we get upset because words change all the time. Right. Words in math don't change. And they haven't changed in thousands of years. And we've built up a whole bunch of words and concepts mm-hmm. of the initial axioms of math. Okay, so I mean, I was about to say, but I think, you know, tying the axioms, right? There's the axioms, which is the, the basic vocabulary. Right. And then there is the... Uh, com- the 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 discovered knowledge that we have today, which is literature of math, right? Right, right. But it's still invented. You know, it's very. It's no, very... It, it's still like I agree. It's still invented. It's still invented off of these base axioms. But, and but... No, it it's true that those base axioms are simple. But it's also true that very simple things when they. Uh, when they provide feedback and when they um, what's the word I'm looking for when they combine with each other column A I'm trying to come up with the words I have to see <laughs> anyway when, when they work with each other they create a lot of complex dynamics it turns out right and if you were done with anything it doesn't have to be the mathematic any axioms if you were the if they, they if, if they uh, um Couple. If they couple with each other mm-hmm. and they provide feedback, then a whole bunch of complex things can come from it. Uh, l- look at religion as a, as a perfect example. Mm-hmm. These are very simple axioms that that couple and that provide feedback, and you get this complex stuff that right, comes from it. Right. The the thing about math is that at least some of it is demonstrable. Right. The 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 f- philosophical thing about whether math is inherent or invented. Is that? I, I think the argument that it's invented is is strong, but that also implies that you know something along the lines, and this is a very rough draft of the idea, but like that the reality doesn't exist until it's talk, you know, until the words are written for it, you know, that kind of thing. Our interpretation of the reality doesn't exist until we're there to experience it. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. agree with that. Um. In fact, my favorite interpretation of quantum mechanics, the relational interpretation from Carlo Rovelli, is that exactly that it, you know there there's the Copenhagen interpretation, the wave function collapse is probabilistic. There's the many worlds interpretation, which is that every possible thing does happen. We just exist on one of those lines. Uh, the relational interpretation I've heard of described as the zero worlds interpretation. Okay. There is no ultimate reality. There is an experienced reality that we all have that couples or that that entangles with other realities, but is always consistent with ourselves, but isn't Okay. There is not an overall reality that exists. There are 
realities that interact with each other and there are realities that will never interact with that are hyperbolically away with each other and those realities that hyperbolically are away from each other don't exist to the other realities they can't be talked about as if they exist okay so the only ones that matter are the ones that correlate and with that you then get an answer to things like entanglement because the only way that entanglement can work if you follow this interpretation is that if you experience one then the only possible answer is the other one that's the only thing that can happen right so it go, it, it does away with the with the main entanglement problem and it, it follows the relativistic ideas that, that Einstein put out now I, I'm not saying this is this is exactly how the world works mm-hmm. but this is my favorite interpretation this, this is the one that, that, that makes the most sense to me. It's one of the ones that has very minimal support from, from people. Yeah, okay. uh, Copenhagen still has probably the most support. Many Worlds is next. Uh, I find both lacking. Uh, and I really do like the relation. But, again, part I mean, of it is... Yeah, for me, that's philosophical. You know, trying to it is. It, it, but... It's just philosophy. Because there is no demonstrable difference between any of these interpretations. So when I was on vacation, I, I read the newest novel from Neil Stevenson. You know, the guy wrote Cryptonomicon, Cryptonomicon yeah. which I've never read. And I feel dirty for not doing that. But uh, Seven Eves is the one I read. And the, the two-thirds of the book was very good. And the last third was a pile of shit. <laughs> so the, the plot of this book is, the beginning of the book is that the moon has exploded into seven pieces. Okay. Um, there is a thing that... There's not enough evidence or science to know what it was, but they call it the agent. And maybe it was a primordial black hole that zoomed through the solar system and went through the moon and caused the moon to shatter or something. So that's the first you know, leap of plot building. But from there, it's pretty hard science about what does humanity do. Because they realize pretty quickly that these seven big pieces are going to start bumping into each other and causing all kinds of material up in the sky. And uh, it's going to fall down on Earth. So they realize that, you know, within two years, there's going to be a huge meteor shower that is going to last forever and it's going to heat up the earth and kill everything and boil off all the water and make the earth unlivable. So what humanity decides to do is to expand the International Space Station and get as many people up there as they can. So they're launching tin cans into space and people are dying left and right trying to get up there. But they're you know trying to build this thing. And the first part of the story is about the whole trying to get humanity up into space. And there's this tiny side story about um, one of the scientists on the space station. Um, her dad's a miner in Alaska, so he's trying to build, uh, get the materials to survive underground as well. And um, that's first part. First part. And then when there's there's Neil deGrasse Tyson's in this book. It's, it's another black scientist guy. His name's uh, Doc Dubois or something yeah. like that. But um, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. And uh, he realizes that all these impacts are going to cause... I'm like between 40 songs of this sound. Oh, crap. I'm sorry. I can't stand that. Okay. All right. Sorry. 
That's fine. And he realizes that this meteor shower is going to start. So he, he gives everything catchy names like Neil deGrasse Tyson would do, right? You know, for the pop. So there's the white sky and there's the hard rain and those things. So the first part of the book is up to the hard rain, which kills all life on Earth. And then the second part of the book is getting from like this bootstrapped existence in space to something that is probably going to last. But Earth is going to be uninhabitable for 5,000 years. Not long. For a novel, it's pretty long time. For, 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 for us, it's long. <laughs> yes, for yes. Earth. So Earth's going to be uninhabitable for at least 5,000 years. So the first part is before Earth dies. The second part is getting to a point where humanity can survive for 5,000 uh-huh. years. And then it skips ahead 5,000 years when they're moving back to Earth. That last part is ponderous, and and uh, it's just not good. But the first two parts of the book are pretty interesting. Well, culture should be radically different after five thousand years. Well, so what, there's so many. There's a couple things about the plot that I really don't like. But one of the things is that they made a treaty when they discovered the world's going to end. That they're going to send all these bright, you know appropriate people up into space but no world leaders can go up into space the president of the united states she launches herself on like an x-33 like you know autonomous space probe and they go to like it's messing up the swarm of like spaceships so they go to see what it is and they rescue her and then she turns into be this troublemaker right like she segments like They've only been up there for a few months, and they're still trying, like, every day not to die. Uh-huh. And she, like, segments the community, like, and starts this rebellion. You know, the president starts a rebellion, you know, because she's not in charge, uh-huh. which is completely frustrating to me. And then when they actually get to the safe place, they... Bigly. It's going to be Bigly. It's going to be Bigly. So, you know, they spend... The whole second part of the book is getting from this perilous, like, low-worth orbit to someplace space. And, and Neil deGrasse Tyson's character... Uh, says you know that one of the parts of the former moon uh, is a an iron core. There's it's called cleft. There's a big hollow in it that they can survive from cosmic rays and stuff like that. So like almost everyone dies getting there, and the only thing that's left is seven women, no men. Uh-huh. All the men's sperm is gone, right? You know, so they have to do like a bunch of genetic engineering to. So that's why it's called Seven Eves. So they skip ahead five thousand years, and there's seven distinct races. Of humans, all based off of the characteristics of these seven women that survived. So there was, you know, the the Russian security enforcer woman. There was there was no uh, mixture in the race. Yeah, that drove me nuts. Right, yeah. like you would figure after fifty years it would be homogenous, yeah. right? You know, but no, for some reason culture. He tried to describe it, you know, but you know, culture evolved to keep them separate because each character had traits. And there was a ton of genetic engineering. So there was um, seven. So there was four, four or five good races and two to three nefarious races. The The ex-president was like um, uh, bipolar. So like she wanted to keep her bipolar genes in there because it helped her figure out solutions in like complex situations type thing. Sure. That's a story. And then the other one was just an asshole, <laughs> right? And she did things like, you know, com- like, so she saw what, like, the other Eves were doing with their clones and, like, doing genetic engineering to so she could combat them. So, like, for the Russian who was, like, the strong man, she got some of her neth- 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 
Neanderthal. Neanderthal DNA and like so she made like neo Neanderthals, you know, yeah. And sure. But like, you know, it's like so then so they go ahead five thousand years and there's two countries in a geosync orbit on the ring and they're starting there's they've been seeding the earth for centuries, you know, so it's it's just about habitable. So they come down, they find the diggers, which are the people that lived under the mountain for five thousand years. And then they also found the pingers, which were some nuclear submarine people who lived in the Mariana Trench for 5,000 years. And they've turned into fish people. They've turned into fish well, people? Well, kind of. I mean, they can hold their breath for very long times. And they've started using echo, like like uh, really high-pitched squeaks and stuff like that. But they still had, you know, history and technology yeah, and sense, things. I suppose. So, they didn't give all flippers, but they... Yeah. yeah. Well, they had like blubber and stuff, right? They were like they were muscular, but like you know, fat and round and stuff. That makes know. sense. Yeah. That, that's okay. The, yeah. it, over five thousand years, that, that that's fine. So, but the, oh, and evolving to use high pitched squeaks, that, yeah. that can, I can yeah. see that. The, yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm not saying the entire yeah. third part of yeah. the book was bullshit, but so much of it was infuriating, especially about these cultures that never mixed. So five thousand five thousand years later. Yeah. You have yeah, people weird. that have the exact traits of the characters you knew 5,000 years yeah, that's ago. Dumb. That's dumb. It, it reminds me a little bit of, of the anime Cowboy Bebop, which you should watch sometime. It's only like 12 or 13 episodes. Okay. And, and, and one of the plot points is the Earth. The moon blew up for some reason. I, I don't know if they ever justified it, but the moon blew up. So the Earth is inhabited. They found out some way to do... Uh, inter-solar system travel, but nothing more, nothing beyond that. So they go to different moons mm-hmm. and stuff of, of different planets, and and it's sort of like a firefly, but in in the in the right. solar system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it 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 it's it's good. It has good music too, and and pretty good stories. It, it it's cool. I think you like it a lot. Um, I do want to show you this one thing. This is so the the guys from Rick and Morty, <laughs> they took an actual court case. I gotta go to the bathroom, so I'll start this. But it's only okay. like nine minutes. Took an actual court case that uh, was in uh, in Atlanta, and they transcribed it with with the judge being Morty and the defendant being Rick. And this is an actual literal word for word. <laughs> and you gotta listen to it because it's awesome. Oh my god! Uh, and they did. They just did like very simple like uh, mm-hmm. uh, animatics for it. But uh, let me just pause the music. Like. I'll go to the bathroom and you can start listening to it. And I think it really, it's okay because it really gets good around two minutes in. But you need to have the, the whole thing to start with. So. All right. I want, I'll let you come up here to the podium so you can speak into the microphone and I can hear you. Yes, uh, the attorney here, I'm wanting to fire him. Uh-huh. And, you know, I don't feel like he's doing any... Who are you going to, who are you going to hire? I'm not going to hire nobody. I'm going to try to get a different public defender. There, there isn't, you have a right to an attorney. This lawyer has... You don't have a right to a specific attorney. This lawyer has made sexual advances on me. He, well... He's mis, misrepresenting my case. He told me if... If I wanted him to do a good job, I had to let him give me oral sex. He's had doctors at Central State Hospital put a false... He's had doctors at Central State Hospital? Put a false diagnosis on me. Okay. Uh, I, I don't... You know, I know Mr. Wyatt pretty well, and I don't think he has the ability to make doctors at Central State do anything. Well, they did it, and he's the one that had me sit down there. Well, you know, they may have done it, but I don't think that... And he had anything to do with it. All right, well, he won't give me the discovery. Well, There's things in discovery he's supposed to give me the incident and told me that 
the, it was the discovery. Okay. They're alternating okay. documents that I've if read. You, if you want, if you want the indictment, I'll make sure you get a copy of the indictment. No, I'm saying I got the indictment, uh -huh. but he's not complying with discovery. Okay. I'm supposed to get the autopsy report, the coroner report, pictures of the crime scene. Cor coroner report? Criminal background <laughs> records. I want. Is this, a no is this a murder? In the county jail. Okay. Yeah, I'm supposed to get the criminal background records, investigational summaries. Mr. Wyatt, what discovery do you have? I've given him everything I have. You've given him everything you have? Yes, sir. He's given you everything. This is a murder case, and you're. Huh? This is a murder case, and you're telling me the only thing on discovery is a four page indictment? I don't think he's saying that. I think he's saying he's given you everything he has. He ain't given me no autopsy report. He ain't given me no coroner's report. He ain't given well, me. Well, it may be that he. He doesn't have that. I don't know. That's what I've been trying to get. He didn't give me the pictures of the crime scene. I've seen other people go to trial on murder charges. I've seen what you're supposed to get. I'm not going to work with this attorney. Well, you know, you it's you, not it's not gonna happen. You've got you've got I'm not going to trial with this attorney. <laughs> well, you've got two choices. One, you can go to trial with them, or two, you can try the case yourself. Now, I definitely completely think that's... And I've got a right to have... Wait a minute. Listen to me. That would be the biggest mistake you've ever made in your life. So basically, you're sitting here telling me... Now, you have a... ...find me guilty if I if I go to trial and try to defend myself? You're probably right. That would be my guess if you try to defend yourself. You, you don't know anything about selecting a jury, do you? No. Do you know anything about cross-examining witnesses? No. Do you know anything about criminal procedure? I know I don't have to let... Do you know anything? I'm... This guy sucked my dick. Let's go.
them do too. You ain't supposed to smile in court. I bet everybody enjoys sucking your cock. You ain't supposed to be smiling in court. That's a violation. I can smile anytime I dead gum want to. Now you're yelling at me again. I am. I'm yelling. You're getting mad. Can you hear me? You're shaking. I am yelling at you. Well, reckon you can suck my dick? Yelling. Can you take a break? Yelling. Can you take a break? I'm yelling at you. Can you take a break? Yelling. Can I get my dick sucked? Can you hear me? Yelling. Can I get my dick sucked? Yelling. Yelling. You ready to suck now? Have you got it all out? Do something. I will, but you want me to fuck you in the butt then, right? Oh my God. You've got plenty of that over in jail. I can see it in you when I came in the courtroom. Okay, that's fine. You're going to be here on... Let me tell you how this is going to work. You're going to you be... You going to tell me shit. Listen. Suck my dick. Shut up. Listen to me. Suck my dick, you fuck man. Listen. Suck my dick. You will be here in the court. I'm going to be here sucking my dick. You will listen to me now. Go fuck yourself. Okay, I'm going to tell you how this is going to work. You either listen or not. I don't care. I'm through. Can I, can I leave the courtroom? No. No, you've got to stay here. No, I'm not talking to the bastard. We are going to have trial Monday week. No, the fuck we are. I ain't going to trial with this lawyer present. Listen, if you do not... Suck my dick, you stinking ass cracker. If you act like this, if you act like this, I will send you out of the courtroom. Old bitch ass cracker. Leave you out of the courtroom during during the trial. Bitch ass cracker. Do you understand Horse that? ass, dick sucking ass. Do you understand that? Butt, do you understand fuck that? Man, ass cracker. Do you understand that? You're mad, ain't you? Stupid. Red face. Listen. Now you're calling me stupid? Listen. Yes, I am. This is kangaroo court. You know what? You have a constitutional right to be a dumbass. Why don't you jump up on the stand you have a constitutional and jump around right like, to be a, a like a kangaroo, you dumb bastard? Well, if you, Suck my dick. I ain't you, listening you, to nothing you say. Come in here Monday weekend. How about this? I'll kill your whole family. When I get in this trial, I'll murder your whole family. I'll cut your children up into pieces. I'll knock their brains out with a fucking hammer and feed them to you. Uh, are, you are you taking this down? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to refer you to the district attorney's office. I don't give a fuck who you're referring I, to. I'm just telling I you. I thought you were referring to my motherfucking dick, fuck man. <laughs>
in the courtroom. Holy <laughs> 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 That was an actual transcript. That poor judge. Yeah. Well, the judge also got a little bit. You know, called him. A, you know, well, that's it. That weird. poor judge. Yeah. He got he got pulled into that thing, and maybe he was a dick to begin with. But poor judge. <laughs> you mean the fuck man? <laughs> <laughs> Those voices are perfect for that too. I just yeah. Like... <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. I think someone actually tweeted. That. I think um, someone tweeted that at you. So much you did both of us, right? It was because uh... I, I already seen it, but um, oh, it was it was the beerists. Oh, okay, yeah, oh, that's right. I missed that. Yeah, happened. I think I was still out. Like limited oh, bandwidth. Yeah, Rubio. <laughs> what? I think that was when I was still on very limited bandwidth, and yeah. I saw it, but I'm like, I'll check it later, and then never did. Yeah. That's oh boy! So let's see. If there's anything else that I have? Because I don't want to. The get... Olympics are on. Yeah, yeah, I know. Don't care. <laughs> Check out Clickhole for my favorite Olympics coverage. <laughs> um, let's see. It's a little little thoughts I had from the from the Democratic National Convention. I loved Obama's speech. I thought it was great. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, you should watch it. One of his one of my favorite things was when he you know he was talking about Trump. He was saying like we don't we don't look to be ruled. You know, we're we that's not who we are. We're not we're not looking for somebody who says I will do this. I will do that. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, this picture of of Trump with his daughter. The daughter that he said that he, if he was, if she was not his daughter, he would probably be dating her. Uh-huh. There's other pictures too. Yeah, it's just, that's ugh, so weird. It's so weird. Um, uh, Greg McGill said Hab- habanero scope, and this is happy place. I didn't see that. Yeah, so so yeah, I agree. Did you see that thing I sent you where one of my coworkers sent me a picture like out of the blue saying watermelon skull or watermelon dorado? Yes, I did good. see that. Yeah, yeah. He did say later on, oh after the first sip or so, yeah, it is not so good. <laughs> I had an interesting session with an actual physicist oh, yeah? on Twitter, uh Jan eleven. because uh, I, I, I'd follow her and she responded to somebody Who's a, you know, some, are we the authors of what we experience? Consider quantum mechanics. And she, 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 mm-hmm. she, she said, uh, quantum mechanics does not allow any such freedom. If an electron spins either up or down, we cannot will it to stop spinning. And I thought about it for a second, and I, and I said, uh, I responded to her with sort of a, a quirk, you know, sort of, I gave her a, a smiley because I was like, Hey, what what if you consider this? I said, I suppose if we brought up the temperature an insane amount, we could decouple it from the Higgs field temporarily. Which and and she was and she responded, true, which would make it massless and allow it to travel through the light, but wouldn't change its but shouldn't change its spin. I realized, yeah, she's right. It it would it would be like a photon. It would have a spin. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't. Ch- 
rapidly oscillate its spin, mm. but it would have a spin. And, and I responded to her, yeah, we, we can't, we can't, you're so right, we can't make it a scale, or we can't remove its angular momentum from the universe. Her original point was absolutely right. There's no way to, I mean, you can destroy an electron, but you can't mm-hmm. have an electron not spin. So that 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 was fun, and uh, the thing that I was thinking of was yeah, if, if you if you remove the Higgs mechanism, the reason I was thinking is because I was just recently you know like uh, going over some some interesting. Uh, I now understand Higgs mechanisms even more than I ever did. Uh, did you know? Of course, you didn't know this, but it just because it, <laughs> it's not like not common knowledge. But the the right handed electron and the left handed electron are different particles without the Higgs. I did not know that. Uh, the Higgs particle actually sort of combines them in a sense. The, the Higgs field, I should say, not the Higgs particle. The Higgs field combines them into the into different uh, ver- di- different sort of reflections of, of of a similar particle from our perspective, but from the perspective without the Higgs particle, the left-handed electron and left-handed neutrino are the same particle, and the right-handed Electron and theoretical right-handed neutrino would be the same particle. Huh. I did not know that. Yeah. Fascinating, interesting stuff. So that that that's why it popped in my head. Oh well, I guess you could, if you remove the Higgs field. Mm-hmm. But then I, but, but then she was right. She was talking about spin, uh, and you can't get rid of the spin. You, you can, you can. I was thinking you could make it so it would stop changing its spin. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, you couldn't get rid of it, Spin. I thought that was a cool conversation. Yes. With actual physicists. Someone who's way smarter than I am. Uh, three tweets I had that were interesting. You made Greg explains his tweets. Well, I did say no new particle at 750 GeV. Shocker with a slash S. Shocker. Shocker. Uh, oh, this was great. My my nephew. <laughs> we're driving. Uh, we're driving home from the five below. <laughs> I know we're driving home from from the park. We were in the park for two hours. Uh, it's on a Saturday, and he says, "Since we're we just got home from Kitka, since we're in Boston, I was thinking that we should buy me something expensive at Target." <laughs> 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 it's hard to put that into a seven-year-old's <laughs> voice, and it was like, "What?" <laughs> he just like li- little like that week learned about money. Like he got like a dollar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he thought that was like, "I want to buy something expensive." At Target. At Target, yeah. Uh. Oh, oh. Okay, one last thing. Star Trek Beyond. I know you're not a Star Trek fan. I thought it was great. Like, so good if you're a Star Trek fan. And I think it's good if you're not. But if you're a Star Trek fan, it's the most Star... It's like, similar to how you might... Like, okay, so... If you're you're a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan, but not a huge fan. So like you know I've seen the movies but I'm not like not nearly as into it as you are, but I could see how just from a Star Warsy perspective you might 
kind of sort of appreciate the prequels because they have lightsabers and they have other stuff you remember but not really like them because you didn't really like them but then mm-hmm. the latest one had all the Star Wars stuff you loved right right. Okay. the first two Star Treks were kind of like that for me the first two J.J. Abrams like they had kind of some Star Trek things but they mm-hmm. they felt fake and, and not not true to really what Star Trek was uh, and at the same time I didn't find their stories all that great either yeah. I, they weren't necessarily as bad as the George Lucas Star Wars stuff, I think, ultimately. But they, they were, especially Into Darkness was pretty bad. But this Star Trek Beyond was so much like a, a great, like, two episodes of Star Trek. Okay. It was so, it captured those characters so well. Uh, you know, it was character-based story. Had lots of cool, nice action stuff going on too, but it was really character based. And then House also had all the Star Trek stuff that Star Trek fans love. I would highly recommend it to anybody who's a Star Trek fan because it's it's the most Star Trek movie I think since Star Trek Six. Like, like legitimately, it, it, it's better than any of the Next Generation movies. Uh, it's really, really good. Okay. Highly recommend the movie. Uh, and then I, I watched like half of the new Ghostbusters and thought it was terrible. Oh yeah, and I wanted to like it because I wanted to not you know like yeah you know, I'm I'm a feminist I, I I don't I don't like the fact that people were shitting on the new Ghostbusters just because it was women but I'm shitting on it because it's a fucking shitty movie. It was what bad. was I mean? Was there anything in particular like it was shitty? The movie. voice it, was there. There was no. It wasn't funny. Uh, it wasn't. The characters weren't very interesting to me. In fact, they were annoying. Uh, the the property wasn't really used well. Uh, I I wasn't I wasn't following much of this. I wasn't. I didn't think the story made much, made a lot of sense. There wasn't a lot of good motivation for the characters. Uh, why would you use Kristen Wiig as a straight man? I, I just don't... There's lots of things I don't get about the movie. And, I, yeah, it was... It just... it. Like I said, halfway through it, I was like, all right, this is, I'm, I'm not watching this anymore. I, it was not good. It just wasn't good. That's a bummer. Yeah. Might as well have just done a scene for scene reshoot at that point, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, they did with the Psycho. That was terrible, apparently. <laughs> I, didn't, I haven't watched it, but I heard that was terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, just like, look. I, I'm I'm as feminist as as uh, as any man could be, I guess. Maybe, maybe not, <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm a, mm-hmm. I, I'm I consider myself a, a strong feminist in terms of, of my outlook, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I felt like Ghostbusters was fucking horrible, so. Batman vs Superman was worse. Okay. But cuz I so wanted to like that. Cuz <laughs> it was a fucking Zack Schneider shit. I mean, Ghostbusters was just bad. That Batman vs Superman was like like when I look back on it it was insulting. 
Like at the time, I like I wanted to like it so much that I even was like, eh, there's some things I kind of like. And then I look back and like, God, no, everything was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything about the new Ghostbusters yet, but I mean, just seeing the cast, it seems like it, that would be a good cast. Well, right? it does until like you think of like, like. Mike and Molly, and and like you think, like it feels like Chuck Lorre's gonna direct the damn well, thing. Well, and... just just because Melissa McCarthy, I mean, she was in Bridesmaids, and that was funny. Yeah, that was so, good. You're so, right. You're right. You're right. But I mean, just I don't know. Just I had this general feel that it was more like a Chuck Lorre thing than I know he wasn't involved with directing. But it's a Paul Feig thing, and he and really? so there there That's were guys right. from other space in it. That's right, and they weren't funny either. Like uh, there were a couple of people from other space in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's messed up. Yeah, it it should be good. It's Paul Feig. It's it's these talented people, and it's not good at all. It's maybe it's even worse than than I don't know. Maybe it's worse than Batman vs Superman because talent. It's really talented people we're putting there. It's not. I don't know. It's not people who who like I've never enjoyed a Zack Snyder movie. Not really. And I don't know if I've ever enjoyed a Henry Cavill performance. <laughs> but uh, I've enjoyed Ben Affleck performances. Ben Affleck was, was the only good part of the movie. Right. Anyway. I think we should probably head, head out. It's almost 12. Uh, and it is Monday night. Who are you getting a call? I'm not going to call those Ghostbusters. I mean, if you look back at Ghostbusters, I still think it it holds up as like a, a experimental like So, it, Ghost the original Ghostbusters is sort of a, a horror movie from a from a comedy lens and a whole bunch of sh- shit thrown together that shouldn't have worked but did. And I guess the main concept is also like the 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 heroes are it's kind of like they kind of did the same sort of thing in arachnophobia right the the heroes are exterminator types they're they're mm-hmm. workmen type guys who are just like it's ghosts but they're just like roach killers mm-hmm. right and that's sort of the whole they're they're blue collar roach killer guys who happen to kill ghosts and it's a funny concept mm-hmm. and that was not again you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, with the vodka. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it, it, it's it's uh, Ray Stans. Um, he, he wrote Dan Ghostbusters. Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. Yes, not Dan Aykroyd's original concept, which was crazy. Okay. But Dan Aykroyd is nuts. All right. Well, that that's good enough. I think. All right. Happy uh, Happy Monday, everybody.